Your martial arts movie podcast. Aha! I threw that shit before I walked in the room! Featuring drunken Thai boxer, Will. Too bad you will die. The also drunken wrestler, Mark. I said I don't want trouble. And drunken karate master, Zero. You've lost your boss. And now, call, call, call. I don't come You know, baby. Fists of fail. We are talking about Ninja Shadow of a Tear. Um, and I guess you could, the alternative title is obviously Ninja 2. But I don't even think it's worth it to call it Ninja 2. Because you really don't need to see the first movie. Yeah. Like, they they at all. separate they separate it very clearly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there are returning characters, Scott Atkins and uh, Mika Hiji mm-hmm. uh, as Namiko. But, yep. uh, you know, after the, after the first few moments of the movie, it clearly just goes in like a different direction. Not different direction, but, you know, it becomes a Scott Atkins show. Yeah, right. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. Although, you know, I've seen the first movie, and actually it's been a while since either of, watch, of us watched it. The first movie's kind of forgettable um and but like the story is very straightforward it's a super straightforward film uh whereas this movie is not at all <laughs> i think the story is very complicated in this film see uh i would say the overall plot of this movie is extremely simple they had to add layers of complexity air quotes because they just needed to have a uh, kind of a plot twist at the end mm-hmm. uh, so um right i mean yeah, yeah. That, i would say that's true so yeah. basically the plot of this movie is scott atkins is living with his wife uh namiko in mm-hmm. japan yep. he is now the uh i guess the dojo master the head teacher mm-hmm. of the school from the first movie and uh i mean we kind of have to spoil it because this happens like pretty early in the movie right. Mm-hmm. But uh, his wife is murdered. Yep. And that sets Scott Atkins on a path for revenge. And that is like pretty much the overall plot that, of the movie. Well, well, yeah. When you explain the first 10 minutes of the film, it sounds simple. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and the story beats after that get like there's just a lot of distractions going on. And I, I, like, I kind of get lost sometimes because like, unlike the first movie where it's really just like two locations, this movie has like three Technically, they shot in two locations, right? They shot in Japan, and they shot in Thailand, and they, and they masked certain parts of Thailand to look like Myanmar. Um, but it's really three locations, and they jump back and forth between some of them. Um, and then there's all, like, a, a lot of story beats that just keep on happening that, like, you're, you're constantly thinking, like, where are we going next? Where is, where is this Casey character going to be uh, in the next scene? And I, you know, it's, a little, it's a little bit too frenetic for me. Um, but not in a bad way. It's just it, like it's just a far departure from the first movie, which is so simple. It's like, yep, he, they just have to stop the villain, the or survive, killed at the end. <laughs> but again, <laughs> yeah, it. Sorry, it, it, they it, didn't need to uh, complicate it as much as they did. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I was I was fine with that. I didn't think it was too. Yeah, bad. yeah, it's not too bad. Um, because that's not to detract from what this movie actually is. It's an action film, and you're here for the action. That's what we do. That's what we, we break down the fight scenes. Um, hey, there you go. There we, there's our stinger. Organic, right? our, our, our organic <laughs> intro to what we do. Um, yeah, so the fortunate yet unfortunate thing about this movie is that there's a lot of fight scenes. Um, great fight scenes, of course, but it'd be 
probably impossible for us to talk about all of them unless you really feel like sitting through like another Lord of the Rings-esque movie <laughs> um, <laughs> length of uh, a discussion. So what we'll do is we'll talk about the ones that probably are the more like the highlight ones right the ones that like really yeah, stand the, out the ones that feature probably more complicated right. choreography yeah because yeah. there are many moments where yes there are fights usually if they're short we refer to them as scuffles where it's just maybe a few bouts of choreography a few combinations being thrown and then bad guys are dispatched mm -hmm. and if nothing really interesting is happening i don't really want to go into detail sure, about those sure. yeah well i mean you summed up the plot pretty concisely before i think that's all you really need to know um so yeah we do have some fights that like really don't pertain to the, the plot so much um so we but we'll still discuss them right so like in the, the first fight scene uh is kind of our intro to scott atkins uh fighting capabilities right um it's really short it's between uh him and two like muggers i guess right they take his wallet um one of them is uh, a character uh, is a performer that was actually we actually covered in a previous episode from Raging Phoenix. His name is Patrick Tang. But uh, all in all, this fight seems like really short. It's uh, you know like they don't real obviously don't hold anywhere close to a candle to Scott Atkins. Um, yeah, but like all in all, I, I don't really think there's too much to discuss here. Like uh, I don't I don't think there's like any big standouts. I kind of like this fight. It's you know it's it's. The movie just started. We're at the five-minute point, so it's kind of pleasantly surprising that we get a not a complicated fight, but there is you know some decent choreography. It's a lot of uh, knife swings and Scott Atkins, uh, you know, dodging out of the way and you know trying to just not get sliced. But there's one thing uh, yep. I wanted to point out, which uh, I didn't um, I didn't pick up on when we first watched the movie. So, uh, uh, what's his name? Patrick Tang throws a really nice triple kick at Scott Atkins. And then I was asking you this uh, while we were watching the film. When he goes to a dojo later, he's asking one of his students about a triple kick. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize he was trying to... Um, he was trying to figure out the fighting style based off of this move that the guy yeah. throws. Yeah. I, I did not pick up on that at all. Because when, we, when, when he goes to the dojo later... I kept on asking. I was like, "Why does he care about a triple kick?" I was like, uh, yeah. "What?" I was like, "What was the point of that?" And, and upon rewatching this, I noticed he throws a triple kick, and I was like, "Oh, you know, like the light bulb <laughs> over the head." I was like, "Oh, no one, no one's gonna get that. No one's gonna pick up on that." Yeah. That's such a such a weird uh, plot path to go through. Right. Yeah, I, I thought about that too. I thought that it was really weird that we ended up in that dojo, of, of, you know, a couple minutes later after this, and. What is so the he Scott Atkins? I guess this kind of makes sense, right? Because like I've heard that like when you it, once you like figure out a person's uh, like martial arts or like their fighting style, like you can kind of almost like trace back to like where they might have learned it, and then you can go back to the dojo and you know, uh, you know. Well, I mean, obviously Scott Atkins detects uh, can detect like oh well you you use this one technique, and I know that technique is connected to such and such dojo, so he goes there. But you know. From yeah, you know, the movie doesn't really explain it all too well. Like they have like a it throwaway line. It doesn't explain it well at all. <laughs> I think it's they have a throwaway line. line. It's yeah. one line of dialogue where he says, "Where you know, like where did that triple kick come from, or, or something along yeah. those lines?" And then he just goes to the dojo. Yeah. I just thought that was a useless fight scene. <laughs> like you know, him looking, you know, him wanting revenge and just beating up people. So they decided to pad it with a fight scene, right. but it kind of has relevance to the plot upon rewatching. So kind of. Kinda, yeah. 
doesn't really need to be there, but sure, he's looking for this guy who he believes may have murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, well, well, I mean, that comes up a little later, right? So, like, yes. right, well, I mean, right after this, like, what's the next fight scene? I mean, like, again, there's really not much to talk about here. Uh, yeah, so, you know, like, Scott Atkins loses his wife because he she demands that they get a chocolate bar in the middle of the night. So, you know, that's that's why you don't leave your wife at home to go get candy. Uh, well, she was pregnant <laughs> with this yeah. child, which is also pretty horrible. But, that but, she gets but, but again, don't, don't leave your pregnant wife for candy. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the moral of the story here. Um, sure. I guess I guess really, like, yeah, you're right. The next fight scene really is when, when would be in the dojo. Wow, that's that's practically 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, again, there's like a tally of like 11 fights in this movie. So uh, yeah, 15 minutes is a long time. Uh, so yeah, like it, this this fight scene, this is one to actually talk about because it's a one take. It is a one shot long take fight scene that Isaac Florentine really, well, the director was really like gung ho on making, uh, and like it it's great because um, I I definitely like the camera work here. You know, it, it it always feels like it, it's focused on the action. You know, it, it like it, it's always focused on the action and like never feels like it's shaky cam. Um, which I feel like it's very easy to like uh, mess that up with the with the with the place like this or like mm-hmm. a, the setting like this. And uh, one of the nice things too is for certain movements, uh, it goes into slow motion and it it feels appropriate and it feels right. It never it never feels gratuitous. Like it, th- for nice moves, you know, when he does like a uh, you know a jumping sidekick to uh, kick this poor uh, white guy <laughs> who's also <laughs> in Japan right. by himself. Uh, it goes into slow motion. I'm just like, oh, okay, that you know, it's pretty nice that they that they filmed this in the with the frame rate in mind that they wanted to highlight certain movements. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually noticed that too. Like when um, as soon as as soon as the dialogue's over, right? They definitely switched cameras, right? Because the the capabilities of what they could do with the action camera, with slow mo and whatnot, this those speed ramps. Um, you know, like obviously we want we want something that's capable of recording that. But then as soon as we switch to action camera, like there's just I immediately notice, like, it's like, well, we're oh, going to yeah. have an action scene. It's like, right, the, right. like it the goes lens like looks really wider. wide. Yep, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, like this, again, I, I don't know if I've said this in the past before. This is how you do speed ramping, I think. It's not like, um, it's not like a like, Zack Snyder production where it's like, like, it's like, I feel like it's like gratuitous when he does it, you know, like with the, the slow-mo speed ramp and slow-mo. Here it's like, it never feels like they speed up the action. Like the like the normal speed is as fast as it gets, but when they like the but it'll, they'll slow it down to highlight specific moves. Not like a Zack Snyder production where like they'll you know like they'll they'll speed up certain moves to make it look more impactful. Here, Scott yeah. Atkins doesn't need that. Right, he's going his normal speed, and what they do is they only slow down mm-hmm. um, like highlighted moves. It never does like the speed up like mm-hmm. like Zack Snyder usually does in his films. Yeah, I've, I've never been a big fan of that. I always thought that was really like like a really like a cop out way of like making action look more intense than it actually is. Um, I think, and it's I always, think it works for some things that he does, but like I wouldn't want that here. And I think what ended up happening with Zack Snyder is he used it so often it became like almost a parody of his yeah, you yeah. Know, of his shooting of his shooting style. Now I mm-hmm. think if you wanted to make fun of Zack Snyder, you would just shoot a scene like that, you know, slow to fast, <laughs> slow to fast. Yeah, of course, of course. And yeah, like, this is great because, um, well, I mean, like, I, I like the cinematography here, too, because, uh, like, it's it's shot in, what, like, the midday? 
So you get this like really nice mm -hmm. daylight effect, like that's like captured on the lens, right? You see these like these flares, um, and it's like natural glow. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it just makes the the scene a little bit more stylized, even though the room itself is actually very sterile, right? There's nothing in the room. It's just yeah, these it's, guys. It's just a normal these, dojo, yeah. These like very empty room. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like yeah. You, it, no, I like, I like that's the, lens the one flare thing too. that it's, adds. It's, Oh man, we oh, are delayed sorry, as hell. I, yeah, I think we're out of sync, but sure, keep going. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sure, no, yeah, but I think we're both on the same page about the whole lens flare thing. Um, I, if we obviously we are ta talking to one another remotely because of the world ending, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but like the, this this fight has like this, this two minute seek. I like what? It's not even two minute secrets. It's like, like maybe like thirty seconds long. Uh, it's really not that that. You know, long, but like you know, it is a one take, right? So like, it's it is very impressive, and it ends with Scott Atkins delivering this like flip to I don't even know, like what is it? Like it's a flip to an arm bar, I guess. Like, I, like it's a great yeah, way he, to like end he, the fight. He gra right, he like kind of latches onto the guy's uh, left hand, and he backflips over the guy's shoulder, and then kind of like pinning him down on the ground into like an arm lock really really nice stuff i don't know what that's called i don't know the you know the yeah. technical name but uh it, yeah it looks really nice and yeah, uh, the one thing i wanted to point out is yes the one thing i wanted to point out is the the one guy white guy i mentioned before who's this fighter he gets like kicked to the ground four different times by scott atkins because he you know they're using minimal stuntmen in the scene and he keeps on right. kicking him away and Scott Atkins will like take care of some other guys in the fight, and he'll keep on coming back onto the screen. Which is, I mean, you know, it's it's not like they're trying to hide. It's a it's a new guy. Like you know, it's right. him because he gets back up, like yep. in you know in the in the background. But it's just funny yep. that this poor guy has to go through uh, all this stuff, and then at the end he gets like uh, put in this arm submission. So right. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I like how the Asian dude in the in the back, you know, with the the mullet esque hair, like he you know his first his first time around getting knocked you know knocked down was through a bunch of punches and kicks to the face and then he gets actually taken out in the fight with the judo throw it's like ah like uh, how's that one more of a like more impactful than the first uh, first set of moves um yeah but like again like this is this is this is great mostly because it is a one take like i think that's the most impressive thing about it it's the standout reason to watch this um it's not super impressive uh in terms of the choreography but it doesn't need to be right because like the the impressiveness comes from the fact that it is one long shot. Um, and it's, he's taking people out in very, you know, small combinations, but they look powerful. So it feels, you know, it, it feels earned that they're kind of, that he's like kicking them away right. so easily. Right, right. Um, yeah, so this fight's over. And then um, what ends up happening is now Scott Atkins corners the two muggers that were, uh, well, I guess they're associated with this dojo, right? He corners them in the alleyway, and then he let's just say he beats them up. Okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's it's much of a spoiler. It really doesn't matter, but like he he basically beats these guys up. Um, oh, one thing we should probably mention um, with this whole movie is that this is a one of the first uh, instances where Scott Atkins actually needed a stunt double for a lot of his performances because he had a he had a back injury during an acl injury around this time so a lot of the a lot of the stunts yet he could do but you know like he, he could do but uh sometimes you know they require a you know stunt double right so they had um uh ooh, i'm trying to remember his name he is the second hand to tim mann who is the stunt choreographer for this move movie um damn i'm always gonna forget this guy's name shab something shab 
Anyways, uh, yeah, so this guy, he was the final, like, he was one of the sub-bosses in the movie uh, Boyka, uh, the fourth uh, Undisputed film. And, um, yeah, so, like, he, whenever there are certain scenes where you don't actually see Scott Atkins' face, like, in this particular fight scene where you see uh, Scott Atkins does, in this dark alleyway, he does a cork uh, corkscrew in midair, uh, you don't see his face, right? And, like, that's actually, like, bizarre, for a Scott Atkins film, basically anytime he does something crazy, as soon as he's done delivering it, you clearly tell that was him. So here he has a hood on. I'm guessing it's because of the fact that like they, you know, Scott Atkins actually couldn't do most of this stuff. Brom Shop, there you go. That's what his name is. Anyways, that was a long tangent, and and <laughs> this is uh, way too much to talk about for this one super short fight scene um, where he just basically beats up these two guys, and now we're suddenly in Thailand, right? Yeah, I guess I guess maybe if we wanted to elaborate on the plot a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Atkins has a buddy, Kane, Kane Kasogi, uh, who runs his own uh, karate dojo in Thailand, and he offered Scott to come there, you know, to kind of, you know, take his mind off of the death of his wife. So right. now he's finally taken him up on that offer, and he's sparring for fun, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Well, there's a character named Lucas, right, who was played... Man, I'm gonna try to get his name right. Jawad L. Bernie. Um, I actually thought that he was the one who's subbing in for Scott throughout all this, but uh, it turns out that's clearly not true. Um, this guy, even though he only has one fight scene in, in this whole film where he's sparring with Scott, like I thought he was very impressive. Um, he definitely has like the speed that like I was actually hoping for when it comes to like a good spar like training partner for Scott Atkins. Um, and of course, these these two are obviously just sparring, right? But um, mm-hmm. it's like weird, really weird. Pre, like it's a really weird uh, setup. Once like halfway through, they uh, Lucas takes out a, a boken or a, a wooden sword at like and starts like swinging it at Scott Atkins, who's unarmed. It's like that's not fucking fair. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a little odd, um, but you know, uh, I guess how else are they gonna raise the stakes? Yeah, uh, I get. I guess it would have been nice if he took out the sword, but then he threw him yep. threw Scott a sword as well, so it was equal. Because you know, swinging at an unarmed man during a sparring match doesn't seem very nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Of course. Um, well. Okay. Well. Well. Let's not completely breeze through the first half of this fight. Um, even though I'm the one responsible for that. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, like I said before, Scott Atkins was technically injured for some of the, you know, for, for this film. Um, so he needed a, a, a double, but like, I'm still impressed by what he can actually do. Uh, so like, I guess he just had off days where they're just like, okay, we need to have uh, Shab uh, sub in for him. Here, like, he does this like crazy, uh, like, uh, tornado to axe kick in midair, right? Uh, once he has Lucas on the ground, he does, he sets up into a tornado stance and then he just sends that leg flying down you can clearly tell that's him uh and it's just it's not super impressive from a choreography standpoint but you can see how super flexible and how much like taekwondo background that scott atkins has um and like this this guy lucas like he definitely hits all his marks when it comes to like like trading blows with uh and again this is supposed to be all sparring so there isn't you can tell that they're trying their hardest like not to go full out if that makes any sense Right, they're not. They're not really trying to hurt one another. Uh, it, it really does look like they're actually like not play fighting, but they're you know have some sort of like mutual respect. Right, right. They're, no one's going for killing blows or anything like that. It's there. There's kind of you know they're going. They're they're throwing punches and kicks that are kind of straight down the line towards center mm-hmm. mass. 
So it's nothing that the other person can't do. Right, right. Um, yeah, on, again, I guess it's obvious once Lucas is like starts swinging at Scott. Like This is where, again, I, th- I think that Scott probably had to get his stunt double where he does a corkscrew um, you know, to avoid <laughs> the most obvious way to avoid a wooden sword is by doing a jumping gainer and then spinning, twisting yourself uh, one and a half times, of course. Um, but that's clearly a stunt double, you know, because you, again, you can't see Scott's face. Um, and then when Scott disarms him, uh, Lucas does a, an accidental smack in the face or he, he punches Scott in the face. I thought that was a little weird because I like, I kind of was on the side of scott like scott obviously loses his temper and starts like wailing on lucas afterwards but i'm like yeah that guy shouldn't have fucking done that <laughs> that's not that it, like i condone him being violent but i'm like yeah that's not that's not fucking cool man <laughs> right well i mean it's one of those things where in the heat of the moment you you know you you defended but you actually you'd accidentally hurt the person and that's what he does to scott here mm-hmm. and you know he apology he apologized and scott is in the throes of anger because his wife is yeah. dead so <laughs> he just kind of takes it out on this poor kid right um well speaking of that that's actually the driving force for most of the fights in the movie or like basically the whole film right but uh mm-hmm. that's the driving force for this next scene because after Scott is so distraught that his wife is dead. Um, he goes to a bar and just takes on a bunch of people uh, mm-hmm. and uh, in a drunken, drunken fit, I guess. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Van Damme in Kickboxer, mm-hmm. but uh, 10 times mm-hmm. more angrier <laughs> and no, no sexy yeah. dancing or no splits. No, I was just going to mention the dancing. <laughs> That's what this needed. Hey, it's just like kickboxing. What was kickboxing in Thailand? I was, yeah, I guess it technically. Well, it was supposed to be in Thailand, yeah. Right, right. Oh, I guess that's that's another connection there. Uh, well, I definitely prefer this fight because um, you know, mm-hmm. this is not nearly as you know. Obviously, this is more modern. This is more stylized. Um, and I guess they took got the local Thai stunt team, uh, like a local Thai. Wow, local Thai stunt team to come in and and do a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of these performances um yeah and you know like basically like these all these dudes all these rough you know roughnecks are just like like cannon fodder for scott right he's he's just there to like really beat them all up with relative ease um and you know like scott's just basically using his environment right to to his advantage you know like at first he's just delivering a bunch of uh, a bunch of kicks to like dispatch a lot of these dudes um but then like uh, like later towards the fight like he like he starts flipping guys and like making smacking them against the the side of the the counter uh which looks really painful because obviously you know they're they're landing like inverted uh and then like later on he like uses a table to flip over and then he uses that to kind of close the line a a guy um but so it's in it's in this scene that i think he mentioned that he tweaked his back Mm -hmm. and uh in that moment where he kind of goes over the table i think that's where he said he felt he pulled something Mm. and i think this scene is where you can see a lot of his stunt double was needed so that's probably you know this is probably one of the earlier scenes that they filmed where Mm -hmm. he then you know the problem his back problem arose and that's why they needed uh the double to come in for the you know his more flashy complicated kicks i I like while i was listening to scott's show art of action and he was saying that you know like on his bad days he literally couldn't even lift his leg up to to deliver a single kick like he was like that out of commission so it's like it's amazing that you know like they got him for for this at all like to complete this this fight scene but obviously they used the double for whenever they needed to um i love how this like knowing that fact knowing that we actually have a double 
I, it almost feels like there's this one shot that actually feels like it compensates for all that. <laughs> um, there's a shot where uh, Scott, like, uh, he, he, he does a, a bunch of kick, a bunch of punches and delivers a hook kick. And then he, he, you see that it's, like, behind the shoulder. And then Scott, like, turns his head and he looks at, directly at the camera. Uh, almost indicate like no, it's me. Okay, just 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 make sure that you know it's me, not a double. Obviously, this is a double. Um, there's this really cartoony like moment where um, Scott is you know basically defending him, you know, defending himself from a bunch of dudes, and all of a sudden like you see this knife rise out of the uh, the foreground, almost to indicate like yes, there's a guy who's gonna be approaching him with a knife, but like it just feels a little cartoonish. It's like yes, focus on this prop, focus on this prop audience well that's a very classic uh you know cinematography cinematography type move you put the weapon in the foreground just to telegraph okay this is what's now coming towards the uh protagonist yeah yeah um so so i was gonna say uh one thing that i thought was uh kind of disappointing about one of the moves in this uh in the sequence is uh you get the you get Sky Atkins Giver kick, yep. which I think is probably being thrown by his um double by a stunt double. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where uh the move is so fast it's hard to pick up what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And because the camera's so far away, uh, it was a little hard to even tell that was a Giver kick. I could only see that upon rewatching and then, you know, slowing things down. I wish they shot a little closer and a little lower to the ground so we could just kind of see the you know the leg sweep over. Yep. And then the the kick come come out of nowhere and hit the guy in the face. Right, it's it's a instance where the Giver kick is set low, whereas like I feel like most of the time when Scott Atkins or any whether it's him or his, a stunt double, whenever they're delivering it, it's usually a high kick. Yeah, yeah, he he like he you know snaps the Giver kick, the literal kick, like like moments moments right before he hits the yeah. ground. So it. It, it's just a little weird because I guess whenever he does that in films, yep. he's usually doing that high in the air so that we, the audience, can kind of see it mm-hmm. and take it in before his, you know, his body starts to fall towards the ground. Right. It's yeah, it's just uh, it's just a shame that they decided to throw it at the end because then you know you just see his body smash on the yep. ground mm-hmm. like immediately afterwards. So we it was hard for us to uh, make that out. Right. You know, it's it's funny because uh, like now that you mentioned it. I think this is the first movie where we have a Scott Atkins film. Like Scott Atkins in the movie. There are Giver kicks, but I don't think it's there's ever a single moment where it's actually Scott Atkins doing <laughs> Giver kicks. It's like he does it, King Kasuki does it, but he like Scott Atkins never actually pulls it off himself. That's true. He does a, a variation of it. We we can uh, kind of bring that up later uh, with I, with uh, Tim Mann. Yep. But it's not, you know, it's not the signature Giver kick. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I guess that kind of makes sense. You have a herniated disc. I don't know if you want to fall directly on your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame him at all. Uh, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I'm just kind of a little disappointed uh, how they decided to set the kick up because right. famously it's kind of thrown higher in the air so mm-hmm. that we have time to read it. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to read considering that he throws it right before he hits the ground right. uh, in this scene. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, but I, I, I do like this fight scene. It's it's a little, it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's basically like a ballroom brawl with better choreography, obviously, to, that elevates mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, like that. I, yeah, we, we, I like the scene a lot, actually. I like uh, I like that he's taken on these four guys. It's it's not a one verse many, but it is, is it like four. A, I feel like there's more, unless there unless I'm miscounting. I 
think it's 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 uh, it's at least three or four mm-hmm. but i like it like they you know he dispatches them in a way it's like hey let me kick this guy off screen and now these two other guys come at me with weapons or knives like right. it's it's always aware of where you're always sure of where the guys are yeah. and if because if they're not on screen they were probably kicked away right and i like that he's it looks like he's really hitting these poor stunt guys and he's like throwing the tables at him or he's like kicking them through the tables Mm -hmm. uh so the environmental work is really nice too yeah that that one dude who um the one dude that like who actually gets skyver kicked uh you know like when he grabs that stool that tiny little stool and he he's like rushing at him with the stool overhead uh and scott atkins does this very like this i think this is ripped straight from a jackie film not in a bad way obviously it's borrowed from a jackie film where Scott Atkins like does a push kick like from the ground to the guy's legs, so the guy tumbles. He literally like falls to the ground, but like you in the next shot, you just see him like basically f- smash the the stool onto the ground, and then his he face plants. And I keep thinking like, man, what if he actually hit like his head bounced against that stool? Because it, it really close. It, actually, I was thinking that that was totally gonna happen. Um, and obviously, you don't want that to happen on set because that that would be incredibly dangerous. Um, well, as long as they plan for it, I think that's okay. Right, right. Of course, I mean they they plan obviously plan for everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like this is I don't know what to say. There's one great shot of Scott Atkins doing a side push kick, and then he uses that push to like almost as a ricochet, so he can launch to do a, a round kick. All with the same leg. Does that make sense? I think that. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes sense. Uh, no, I, I like that. It's it's such a simple. It's it probably not um, probably not as easy as it looks, but like it's it's simple in, in its um, in its visuals, right? It, it looks very simple, but like you know, it, it has a lot of flair to it as well. Um, all right, so ballroom. Uh, the bar fight uh, ends with oh, it has this like really good uh like moment where scott atkins sets up you can clearly tell scott atkins he's setting up for the b twist and then his stunt double comes in to (laughs) actually do this the the twist and then he turns that into a push sidekick i love that i love i i always love watching a b kick turn a b twist turn to something else whether it's a shuriken twist or or b twist rounds but here is a b twist sidekick and and that they uses that to break a table uh, that this one hen- one goon is rushing him with, and it's it's a great shot. That table's probably rigged to you know be destroyed easily, but still awesome. I love it. Great way to end the fight. I mean, obviously Scott Atkins has to you know go all macho and ask this one dude to smack smack him in the face a couple of times. So you know it's almost like yeah, it's inconsequential. It's fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's how the fight scene ends. And uh, yes, yeah, see, I, I don't think we will have another fight until what. Maybe like 15 minutes later. It's not really a fight. It's more like he just beats up a bunch of people in like the back alleyway of a nightclub. And I think you and I are both disappointed with this. <laughs> yeah. So so what's happening now in the story is he's he has kind of been led to Myanmar. Is that Myanmar? It? Yeah. Burma. Myanmar. And, and so he's you know, he's he's kind of going to shady places to try and see where, uh, you know, to find leads to whoever killed his wife. And in order to do so, Scott Atkins goes to the trunk of a car with a drug dealer, and the drug dealer forces him to smoke crack <laughs> or crystal meth. I think it's meth, yeah. And the reason why we were disappointed is we were hoping for maybe a drug-induced fight mm-hmm. scene, 
And unfortunately, Scott Atkins still has really good hand-eye coordination <laughs> under the influence of drugs, and he still beats up all these people very easily. Yeah. And I I would have loved to see like a drugged out Scott Atkins just like throwing hits and just missing or thinking he's fighting somebody <laughs> and he's not really uh, like they could have done they could have done so much with this but it just turns into a straight up you know back alley fight. right right and again these these goons they don't know how well they're portrayed as if they don't know how to fight right so like scott is doing he doesn't even have to do any like crazy acrobatics for this he just said you know because he clearly is a better fighter um everybody like he he basically always keeps his distance against them and they established a little bit early on that he's he was like fashioning himself these ninjutsu weapons like so there was a moment where he like he he brandishes these 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 needles and he, he throws them uh during mid fight um but like i don't know like it, it just feels like yeah like you said it, it's it would have been more fitting or even kind of funny to have him you know almost like drunken master two this this whole fight where he's like yeah that's that's what I was hoping for. I wanted I was hoping for like a take on Drunken Master. Like he's just bobbing, you know, bobbing and like waddling all over the place trying to keep his balance because he's almost falling over because he's under the influence <laughs> while these guys are trying, you know, just like wailing on him. Right. But it's it, you know, it's just very by the numbers. Yeah, if, if they did that, I, I want them to change the title to uh Scott Atkins is the uh the crackhead master. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So as as quickly as we mentioned the fight, that's that's as much as that needs to be mentioned uh, talked about. And then, um, yeah. So there's a fight sequence that's very reminiscent of B District B13. Um, almost a, almost the same exact setup actually. Uh, so Scott Atkins is still drugged up. Um, uh, I would say he's no longer drugged up. He's sobering the up. Night, yeah, he's he's sobered up. The, no, no, the no. But he's not. He's not sobered. Up. He's sobering, right? He, like he. Oh, is he? I think. Uh, I think I that's what I'm implying because he's um he's clearly like that's why he gets you know captured at, by the end of this, right? To imply that like he wasn't at his full potential. I think that's what the movie was trying to get at. Oh, I I mean they had guns, <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say he can't you know. You can't jump and spinning kick everybody with a weapon, so I'll, I'll I'll give it to the bad guys at, at this right. time. Right. Okay. Well, uh, so the setup is almost like B District B thirteen. And if you've seen that film or heard us talk about it, uh, this the scenario is very similar, where Scott Atkins is in his apartment room, uh, trying to escape, and he's you know trying to climb up or climb down. Uh, and there's no parkour in this movie, right? Unlike uh, B District B thirteen. Um, but you know, like it, it almost remind, makes you think like it's going to be David Bell, like, like just like hurling, hurtling over people. And, you know, because Scott Atkins is half naked in this too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the setup is so similar. As soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, it's kind of like district yeah. 13, but, uh, there is this awesome, awesome shot that we both commented mm -hmm. on when the, when this kind of fight first happens, when, uh, so Scott Atkins disarms this guy, uh, with a handgun and it's kind of funny. So he does the moves and he discards and he gets the gun and he then tosses the gun and he hits a guy in the doorway <laughs> with it. Right. And then it turns into him doing a double jump out the, you know, out of the, out of the frame of the mm -hmm. door, uh, into one of the, I don't know, one of these military guys standing yeah. out there and the camera is just uh, like trucking out with him as yep. he's doing the double jump or the yep. double kick, excuse me. And it's a really, really nice shot, very cinematic. And we both complain because uh, instead of just sticking on that one shot, 
it cuts to a different angle so we yeah. could see him you know doing the kick you know in a in a different point of view uh we were just like oh no don't cut don't cut it looks so nice <laughs> yeah just just stick with the action right it was like why 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 like interrupt it for any reason um mm-hmm. unfortunately the the you know like once scott Atkins actually gets outside and i was really hoping it was to turn into our parkour scene um because again uh, like it, it, i actually thought this was taking homage from uh district 13 because you know like it almost looked like scott Atkins was about to jump rooftops um yeah, I mean, I mean, he's hopping over the, you know, over the rails of the staircase. It feels like it feels extremely reminiscent mm-hmm. of uh, District Thirteen yeah. because he's also going through the apartments and the guys are chasing yeah. him. He's just not doing anything parkour. Yeah, right. I mean, like, I mean, there are some moments where you can tell it's not Scott Atkins like doing some of these things. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, obviously he's covering his face because it's not him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, well, if we had a parkourist or chasseur. In this film, like maybe we could have had an action scene here. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm actually just like being picky or a beggy at this point because like there's so much action in this film. It doesn't even matter because like all in the grand scheme of things, this is you could basically see this as like a non-fight scene because like there's just so much so much more better fights in this film. Right, right. I mean, and it ends as I mentioned anticlimactically yeah. because he's trying to run away and then he realizes, oh, they all have guns. Where else can what what can I well, do? They, they corner him with the guns. They capture him, torture him, and the, and the only reason why he survives the torture is because of the many many instances where he remembers he has a dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is that when he's getting tortured? Is that do they? Is that when they flash back to his wife with the with the yeah, fan yeah, yeah. blowing in her That's face? That's totally not a fan. That's just 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 flashback wind. um yeah and then he he beats up the 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 two captors oh the the two dudes are like holding him cap uh, captive uh it doesn't make any sense because he's in the wheelchair he breaks out somehow and then there he disappears and they look around the room like where did he go so they walk around the room and then he just he's just standing there it's like how (laughs) how how did you not see him like i know he's a ninja but do you think he was just like hiding behind the wheelchair? He's like, no, they can't see me. <laughs> well, yes. So this movie is called Ninja Shadow of a Tear. And you would, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you were not thinking or if you were thinking like, why is he not doing anything ninja? Or like, where are the ninja things going to come into play? And there's only a few moments where it's like, oh, he was hiding in the shadows <laughs> or oh, he set up a tripwire and that guy fell over or he's making poison blow darts, not even blow darts. Uh, you know, it's very, very, very loosely a ninja film, I would say, minus the costume he puts on. Uh, right, that's weird yeah, that you say that. Um, mostly because like, I know that they're trying to make this movie more of a ninja film than the first movie, right? Because uh, the first movie, yes, it's it's also it's weird that I keep referencing it, and yet like I find that first movie so forgettable. Um, but this movie, like they they're trying to like Im- incorporate a little bit more like the ninja ninjutsu elements in there. Like they're using traditional ninjutsu weapons, and um, they're you know like a little bit more acrobatics, a lot more like I guess kind of like the stealth. I guess that's the the, the thing that they're trying to imply with that whole hiding in plain sight thing just now. But I'm like, you can't just you can't just disappear and then re like reappear like that's how that's how ninjas <laughs> right. work. i mean he's 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 using the camera frame to his advantage <laughs> that's not ninja that is uh you know 80s slasher monster <laughs> or killer right um i actually don't under remember the context too much of the next 
scene, um, the next action scene. It's not really a fight scene, right? So Scott Atkins now winds up in the forest where he tries to find, he, he tries to dig, dig, exhume um, a grave, right? But in order for him to get to the grave, he gets ambushed by a bunch of Burmese soldiers, uh, or he basically takes them out one by one. Um, uh, this this actually kind of like sticks out like a sore thumb to me, just because like it it just because of all the like explosions and the gunplay. Yeah, it's like none of the other fight scene. Oh, well, that's exactly it, right? The the rest of the movie is like all fight scenes, like more tra- traditional hand to hand combat, and here is like it's almost like gunplay and whatnot. And I guess this is where I kind of backpedal on what I said before. It's all ninjutsu until Scott Atkins gets his hands on grenades. <laughs> Once he gets in grenades, like, okay, well, it's no longer Well, he, th- he throws a homemade ninja, you know, like, white powder bomb at one point. Yep. So I guess that could be the argument. But other than that, yeah, this there's nothing ninja about this. Right. There, it's gunplay. It's grenades. Right. Uh, and maybe he's doing something. Uh, I don't know. He he throws like a shuriken to maybe at one dude, point. Dude, uh, it's it's a stretch. Oh, yeah. This this whole thing is completely unnecessary mm-hmm. if we're trying to keep in line with the with, with the ninja right. theme. Well, he needs the grenade so we can kind of set up the next scene, which is you know necessary, obviously, uh, and like and how he utilizes the grenades. Um, but like if you're gonna go that far, I don't know. I was just thinking the logical side of me was like. Well, if you're gonna grab the grenades, why don't you grab the automatic weapons that <laughs> these guys have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that would go against the ninja. Oh, but grenades code, but are maybe, perfectly uh, fine. Well, I was gonna say maybe the uh, ninja manifesto was updated <laughs> lately, and you know they voted and they decided to include grenades upon their ninja. It was repertoire. the. Uh, it was a firmware update. They're like, yeah, it's fine. You're gonna, <laughs> the terms of services have been changed. Scott Atkins now is at a warehouse. Uh, and this is like the worst hideout for our our quote unquote main villain uh, of the movie, uh, the supposedly the one who killed Namiko, which doesn't make any sense if in the context of the story, in terms of like where characters are placed, it's like why would he be the one who killed her if he doesn't he wasn't there, right? Because we're in Myanmar. Yeah, it, right, right. It doesn't make any sense. You're just gonna have to yep. go with it. Just you know, don't think too deeply into right. it when they explain the relationship oh my all the god because they will explain it to you to try to justify some things just ignore it <laughs> because it'll just make you more confused yeah I, I i was talking to you uh off mic and i was like man i just read this like that plot synopsis like five times and i still don't understand like what how these <laughs> characters are connected doesn't matter now we're in this yeah, warehouse we're in this hideout where the villain, um, ha- like this is the worst hideout in the world because the villain surrounded himself with inside, like like among barrels and barrels of flammable material. Oh <laughs> like, yes, why would so you do that? Red, why? So many red barrels all over the place. Like, wh- where, what is? What does he, he? The villain literally wor- like works in a fireworks factory. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I will say they use this opportunity for Scott Atkins to, um, you know, incorporate more ninjutsu style stealth moves in the film, like because he's now in the ninja garbs, the ninja uniform, and he's sneaking around, you know, taking out people very sneakily, very stealthily. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but it does remind you that, yes, this is a ninja movie and he knows how to hide in the shadows, I guess. (laughs) 
eyes in the shadows <laughs> while throwing grenades and exploding the place. <laughs> there are so many explosions. Hey, I, I, I want to give the movie kudos because I actually think those are real. Uh, I think. The explosions? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... there. Sorry. There are only a few spa- places where I can see um, superimposed, like, you know, explosions on top yeah. of each other. But I think for a lot of the large grenade explosions that he's doing i'm pretty sure those are all yeah yeah yeah, for sure um yeah and but i mean obviously uh you know everything you said before is true like scott atkins is taking out all these guys in stealth that's not where you're in this fight scene or this action scene for you're in it for scott atkins versus the stunt coordinator or the fight court uh coordinator for this film tim mann tim mann who's a venerated uh stunt coordinator for like various various films but here uh, you can actually see like why Scott Atkins has these trademark moves throughout the film, like why he mo- like has these uh, particular movements. It's because Tim Mann was the one behind the previs. You know, like when you watch the, mm-hmm. the making of, you can uh, Tim Mann's actually like telling Scott Atkins what to do, and like a lot of these triple kicks, I want to attribute to Tim Mann because like I, I mean like I, I'm sure Scott Atkins has done them in, in other movies, but like you can see like Tim Mann like when he does them. Like he does them with a lot of finesse, so he's probably yeah. directing directing um, Scott and he's like, okay, well, this is how you fucking do it. Do the do the triple kick because it makes everything look badass. And he's like, well, I don't know, like I can't do it like you, but sure, I'll do them anyways. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah. One of the great things about this movie, just in general, is the fight choreography. In addition to the cinematography, the camera really knows how to follow. The choreography without being you know shaky yep. camp to hell they don't over edit they let moves just play out and the nice thing with uh, tim mann's fight choreography is um there's they always there's always a nice exchange of blows it's like it's going from right to left because tim mann is taking the advance or the offensive and it's scott defending or then it's scott trying to retaliate back and then the camera is just like following that right. all the time so there's like a lot of it, it's very easy on the eyes uh for lack right. of a better term but it's nice that you can you can see everything. It, it's just shot oh, yeah. so well, especially this one. I think knowing that Tim Mann was the fighter, like they they made sure they wanted to capture everything. Right, clearly. right. And yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know what? This is a great opportunity to actually hide the fact that Scott probably couldn't do a lot of this uh, because you know, like the, the guy, you know, the dude is in full ninja garb, right? So like his face is covered up. It's not until like. Yeah, that could yeah, be anybody. Exactly. There probably was a shop behind the the mask. Uh, it's not until later in the film where they, Tim Mann conveniently grabs the mask off of the, the, the Scott Atkins face <laughs> or supposed Casey's face, and it's revealed to be Scott Atkins. Mm-hmm. I think that's so you know it, we we clearly can tell that Scott Atkins doing at least some of it, right? Yeah, you know what? And uh, just to compare it a little bit to the first movie. Thank God Tim Mann also isn't <laughs> in a ninja costume because if you remember yes. the first film, the final fight had Scott Atkins in a ninja costume versus the bad guy, the final bad guy who's also in a ninja costume. <laughs> and we were just like, who the hell is, who? you know, who is anybody? We, we, we just couldn't tell that, who the good guy that was. That is very, very true. Oh my God, yeah. Um, well, it wouldn't make sense because this, this character that Tim Mann plays isn't a ninja it's, it's <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm just i'm just saying though like they t- uh, tim man is wearing like a, a, a salmon <laughs> shirt with like yes. you know, green camel pants versus scott atkins in the right. ninja garb it's very easy to tell yeah. who is yeah. who uh, you know like i'm always thankful for 
uh, wardrobe uh, right. choices. Thank goodness for color contrast. Okay, <laughs> that's why I tell my <laughs> my my clients at work all the time. Color contrast is super important. Um, yeah, and it's 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 great because like, well, let's let's talk about Tim Mann's actual like choreography, like him as a performer, right? Because as a stunt. Uh, I was as an action director, you know, like or a- action coordinator for this film. Um, you know, he could be, he could just be the one who just screaming, barking orders behind the camera. But like to actually see him do it, it's, it's you can see like the level of like martial skill that he has, right? So he does a lot of like kick blocking, like posing. Um, he does this sequence of like uh, like consecutive uh, push uh, side kicks, and he del- and then without lowering his leg, he just turns that into an axe kick. It's like just you can see the level of mobility, the level of flexibility that the guy has, uh, and a lot of control. Like those those are like the the markers of a guy who like really knows how to throw kicks. And like he's a he's a he's a really good kicker. Like he he's basically trading blows at a certain point uh, of the fight where he's basically just delivering a bunch of kicks towards the Casey character. And you know like he's just like basically nonstop. He just does does them like over and over again. And he never never really loses composure. Um, yeah. yeah. So w- one of the things I wanted to point out too is uh, I don't think I've ever really seen this too often. Yeah, like uh, they are straight. They are uh, exchanging blows with their legs, so they're kind of kicking at each other. And there's a lot of moments in this fight scene where their leg, where they're using legs to block. If you think about it in a fight, usually you just use an arm to block. Like you use an arm to block a punch yep. or you even use an arm to block a yep. kick. There's so many instances where like someone will throw a spinning hook yep. kick and then the other person will retaliate with a block with like, you know, like a hook kick. And I was just really surprised to see that because it, it doesn't seem so practical right. to do it that way because you have to extend the energy to bring your leg up instead of just putting your right. arm out. Right. It, it seems easier to block uh, well, with the arm than the leg. <laughs> But visually, it looks really cool, and it's interesting because it a lot of times it seems like their legs are clipping. It's almost mm-hmm. like one person was trying to throw a kick, and the other person threw the kick maybe like a little moments later, and you you see the legs cross or you see the legs clip. And I don't know if that was a you know a, a choice by design or if that was like happy accidents, but it does happen enough. So I think that they probably planned it out that way. It looks really interesting. I can't recall that happening too often in right. any fights. Oh, I don't know. I, I feel like it is definitely planned. I mean, there's no Bob Ross where there's no happy accidents here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it, it's amazing that they, they got the timing correctly, right? So I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure this film doesn't use any sped up footage. So the actual speed that they're actually performing it uh, in this, this movie is the actual speed that they're going at. So it's impressive that based on like what we're actually seeing from our current camera angle, they could time those counteracting spin, spin hook kicks and make sure that like, yes, it looks like they're having impact, but they're not actually like smacking each other in midair. Right. <laughs> Cause the, yeah. Yeah. The act, the accuracy that both actors yeah. need to have needs to be on point because you, you know, you might, you know, just hook, in, <laughs> you know, like, might be shin oh, bone on Ugh. shin bone, and you're just like ah. But it looks like it looks like a lot of times the the feet are really mm-hmm. clipping together. So it, that's probably right. not as bad. But yeah, I, I love that it. That yeah, they did right, it right, right. Um, yeah, and, and Scott, I mean, like I said before, Tim Man, like he shows off, like he's like the master of the triple kick, the the flying triple kick. Um, but like we obviously like again reiterating that Scott Atkins was injured for this film. Um, he does th- deliver some like really great like 
Uh, he he shows off a lot of like strength and power behind re- relatively simple uh, uh, martial arts techniques. So he does a jumping, spinning hook kick, but he he turns that into a push kick uh, to to which he delivers on Tim Man. Uh, all done in slow mo, and then he later does a tornado kick, and again turns that into a push kick. Um, great, great setup. Uh, I think for what it's worth, like. Sometimes you know, Scott Atkins like, can't do like the more athletic stuff because of his injury, but you know like that's why you work within within the limitations of the actual performer, right? So here it's like okay, well let's keep him doing the basic stuff, but like still like emphasize like you know like like let's amp that up, like let's emphasize like that you know like Scott's still a martial artist, like he can show off all, all the power behind those moves, and I, I like that, like you know like that, those, that actually was like as simple as it is, you know, because like, like I feel I feel like anyone can technically do that like and with enough practice like scott like really like has mastered the basics and like can actually show that off cinematically um yeah and then uh you know like i don't know there's this you know like scott still does like the more stylistic stuff right so he does a b twist to drop kick which I, I, it doesn't even like do phase tim man you know like his tim man's <laughs> on the floor right like like he yeah, it reminded me of uh, uh, Tony Jaa doing that in mm-hmm. Ungbok, except to- I'm pretty sure Tony Jaa had more rotations yep. than Scott uh, in his film. But uh, yeah, it-, it looks like <laughs> it looks like his thigh almost hits him in the body more so yeah. than his leg. I- I'm guessing they're doing they he probably did that so he doesn't actually hurt Tim Man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not really uh, I'm not really complaining so much because it- it's funny because. When he does the move, the camera is is kind of low to the ground, and it looks it could have it could have easily been just Scott Atkins doing it, and they could have cut to the you know the leg hitting him. But we all we see it all in the one shot, so I I, I want to say kudos yeah. to the cameraman because it just it it almost threw me off. I didn't think he was going to be able to capture uh, him being airborne right. for so long and then finally delivering right. that hit. Well, it's a great shot because like uh, again, uh, it's actually Scott doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. I like that shot a lot. Uh, although s- the previous cuts before that are a little awkward because you see a moment where the camera like zooms in on Tim as he's rolling away from the camera, uh, and pr- before that is like it zooms in, zooms out uh, like in towards Scott as he's approaching. He's about to set up for the the twist, and I, I was like, oh well, I kind of just wish Scott just we actually saw that Scott like was winding up for the twist and then delivered it all in one continuous take. Rather than cutting up in between. Yeah, he we didn't need to get the roll away. Yeah, from especially since he got hit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I guess maybe for the pacing of the fight, maybe they just needed a few more beats in there instead of him. You know, instead of Scott just going into right, that kick. Right. So I, I was okay with it, but I, I think I agree with you where it, that wasn't really right, necessary. Right, right. I think I think for me, I, I'm not too crazy about how this fight ends. Mm-hmm. Like like it ends on the big that big move that kick on the ground but then it goes into him just kind of grabbing the knife and then you know just impaling him <laughs> in the chest i don't know i i kind of wanted something more but i don't know right what, if that if that eh, makes sense I, I think it's fine you know like at that point that they basically showed off that tim man's character is like winded and he can't really fight him anymore so it, it, it just had to be a simple ending i think I'll we'll get back around when it comes to like anticlimactic end fights, uh, like ending to fights, because I that's something that I'll bring up later in the film. Um, well, I, I, I this isn't the end of this action sequence. So now T- uh, Tim Man's dead, uh, and now uh, Scott Atkins takes on the head honcho played by Shin Sugata, 
a Japanese actor. I don't think he actually has any martial arts background, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, so this fight sequence had to obviously be work within the limitations of what the actor can do. Um, so the actor is obviously older. He's like probably 50s, 60s. And all he's, he, his, he's brandishing the trademark weapon that, he, that was basically used to kill uh, Scott Atkins' wife. And he's just swinging it relatively easily, you know, like with, like simple movement. Do you know the name of that? Uh, they mentioned Manriki. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. So just think of it as a rope, but there are, I guess, like barbs on certain ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can use that to rip or tear after wrapping it around someone's neck, which is what happens right. a lot uh, in this movie. Oh, you know what? I might take something back when I said before, where it's like it doesn't make sense for Tim Man to be a ninja technically this goro character played by shun sugata is technically a ninja using yep technically, technically he is doesn't he's not in a ninja garb that's all we have to be grateful for <laughs> that's not a ninja versus ninja that, fight again yes yes i think they learned their lesson from the first movie don't have ninja on ninja in like you know shadowy right. areas Without Scott Atkins, uh, you know, removing his mouthpiece or whatever, because you don't know who you don't know who the hell is fighting him. Um, but I, but I will say, like, uh, at, you know, this fight is pretty short, but there does seem to be a few moments where the Japanese actor, I, I'm pretty sure he's doing some bouts of choreography, and as you mentioned, he is an older gentleman, so. There are, you know, there's a few moments where you can see him. I'm pretty sure that's really him swinging right. the katana around. But know, again, simple. Scott. Uh, yeah, very, very simple. They make him look good. He's he's older, so I'm glad they didn't go the, I'm an old man, let's cut to a wide with my back to the camera, and <laughs> oh now I'm going to start God. jumping Yes, all that is also things. a callback to our, the first movie. Uh, exactly, yeah. Like, they, they, keep, they keep this fight grounded because what happens is he starts using that, um, you know, um, serrated kind of whip weapon to then you know wrap it around scott's neck and then try to choke him out with it so it's you know it's not it's not too long i'm, I'm glad that it it does stay right. a little grounded uh, considering he is yeah, the older course. fighter uh again you said it before this fight is relatively short so uh you know <laughs> there does is a moment where he has upper hand he has the the barbed wire around uh, around scott's neck uh, but Thankfully, Scott has a sword protecting his neck from, like, you know, obviously, like, killing him. So, Scott just wins by, like, pure luck, I think. No, <laughs> he, he flips he him. Flips him but over he just, his back. he's just, he's fortunate that he had the sword there. <laughs> well, uh, he had the sword yeah, the whole yeah. No, I mean, like, he had, so. the, it's, he's fortunate that he, he had a high guard with the sword. If he had his, he put the sword down any lower, it would just wrap it on his neck and he would have been fucked. <laughs> oh okay yeah, yeah but it doesn't of matter course, of course but you know scott atkins is our protagonist he's got to win um and he does and you know you know it's kind of funny when i first watched this which was a long 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 time ago i think i first watched this when it when mm-hmm. it first came out um he def- you know he defeats this guy and they set up this guy to be the main villain and after this fight i was i was pretty disappointed because i was like oh that's <laughs> so short you know the tim man fight was nice and long Usually with the last bad guy, you want it to be the best fight. And so after that, it, it felt like the movie was coming to a close. And after that fight, I was like, oh, that's well, it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, it looks like he, he, he bested the, the final boss. Um, actually, there's a great shot of how he actually defeats the final boss. It's great because he cuts off the dude's head. 
in a very stylized like um, you know in a stylized way where you know he the the villain is is facing away from the camera scott atkins obscures the body all this is all in one shot by the way uh mm-hmm. he obscures the body as he cuts the guy's head off and you can see the head rolling away it's it's obviously better in a visual than just hearing me talk about it it's it's really great i, I love the execution of it until they zoom in on it and it becomes a static image of Scott Atkins. Why did they do that? Yeah, I I think they didn't get the coverage of holding him long enough because, as you mentioned, they have to do a digital zoom into a still frame of Scott Atkins just like, you know, in that pose, which is a little yeah, disappointing. Like it it would have been nice if the camera just kept on, you know, manually zooming yeah. in and not somebody in post having to do that yeah, it's us. very unfortunate um not to belittle the coolness factor of it but yeah it, it kind of does because you can you can see the fire in the background stops moving <laughs> yeah i mean everything stops moving you you know even if you're not familiar familiar with post-production work you know the you know somebody press pause on your DVD, so. and zoomed in just zoom in a little bit exactly um yeah, let's ncis this um yeah so you're you're right the final boss is not goro uh scott has been taken for a like a ride for the whole movie um yeah so uh spoiler alerts for anybody who doesn't want to know who the real villain is because it's uh, i don't know i I feel like it's not so okay well if you are when when you well if you are a martial arts uh, snob historian, you've or if you've just seen a lot of martial arts movies, um, you might may or may not know who Kane Kasugi is. Uh, Kane Kasugi is son of Shokasugi, uh, who I think this is totally this is they totally got him for this role because of the fact that he is Kane Kasugi. Uh, his father Shokasugi was the like the poster child of uh, like American ninja films back in the eighties, right, nineties, early nineties. Uh, he was, he started like Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja and a whole bunch of other ninja films. Um, and Kane actually starred in his first, I think his first role ever when he was like six years old in Revenge of the Ninja. And, um, yeah, so like Kane Kasugi, his whole entire life has been built around like martial arts and, you know, his, he has like a, like this shadow casted on him that he's kind of like risen up to kind of take up the mantle of like being in ninja films. So it's like, oh, it's very fitting for him to be in this movie. So again, if you are have if you have any sort of knowledge of any of this stuff, you'll know that like King Kasugi's in the movie and he hasn't had a fight scene yet. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, he had he had like a little scuffle no, with not, the student, that's not you know, really. in a sparring match. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you're familiar with anything, any sort of plot devices, like you're like, hey, where'd that King guy go? I haven't seen him in a while. Isn't he a martial artist? So, right. Yeah. So spoiler alert. Uh, he is our real big bad guy. Well, um, so I've production standpoint, they only I think they only had King Kasugi for a couple of days to film all his action scenes. Um, and I think in general, he wasn't actually on set for very long. They just had him come in to do his dialogue scenes for like like a day. And then they were like, all right, film all the action scenes. Yeah, and that was it. And that, I think that's why you were saying like his, in his episode with uh, Scott Atkins, it almost sounds like Kane doesn't remember a lot of it because he wasn't really there for very long. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a shame. I, I I really would have liked to hear more input uh, from him about some of the some of the fight stuff. It, it it almost feels like when he's you know when Scott Atkins was showing him the footage, it was almost like he was just rem- trying to remember things because right. it was so long ago, but he couldn't really have words. But yeah, as you mentioned, they filmed this fight very fast. And considering that this is the last fight and one of the more uh, actually yeah, this is probably the most uh, technically difficult one. Uh, I think they said it took yeah. like three days mm-hmm. to film. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, well, let's, let's actually talk about the choreography itself. Uh, I think that this is pretty good, but there's something about it that is a little off to me. And it's not at all negative. It's not like I like this fight a lot. It's There's something about the speed. It's a little too fast. <laughs> do, do you get that sense? Really? Uh, that sometimes it, it's actually so fast ah. I can't keep up with it. Um, well, uh, I'll go into it maybe a little later, but there is a one, there is one move that while we were watching this, it happened so fast that I was like, what happened? <laughs> I was like, he did something. I know King Kazooie did something. Cause that was so fast. I couldn't tell it what it was. And it looked really cool. And we, you know, we had to go back and rewatch it. And I was like, Oh man, that's well, so what, crazy what, 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 what moment are you thinking of? Cause I'm actually thinking of the moment where King Kazooie, he does after a trade of like pretty elaborate choreography behind the shoulder. Obviously, it's Kane, right? So he does a uh, spinning hook kick yeah. and he turns that into a five forty kick. But his five forty so fast, it is so fast. Like I actually mm-hmm. didn't register as a five forty because like, but you know, he he. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine. You know, like that. That's a, a a stylistic or preference thing, right? Like you can you can have a fast, you can have a very floaty. Uh, acrobatic or like floaty um style uh, 540 kick or it can have a really uh quick one his is more quick it's so quick that i actually couldn't register it like it, it also looks like just a regular tornado <laughs> kick so i was actually thinking to myself like it could have just been a tornado kick honestly he didn't even have to do something so elaborate and it would have probably registered all the same because you know scott atkins as the mm-hmm. performer that he is he you know he's the del- he's selling the that he got hit so like it yeah, you know, he doesn't have to do something that yeah. elaborate. Was what I'm saying, um, right? Yeah. So, so the moment I'm referring to is, uh, so Scott Atkins has him has his arm around his neck, and so he starts to pull him towards the ground, uh, King Kasugi, and I don't know what he does exactly. He kind of rolls mm. out of it, causing uh, it, it's almost like Scott Atkins uh, was mm. putting him in a throw, and he negated it mm. mid-throw, and thus transferring his energy into Scott, forcing him to like roll out uh. of this throw. It, it it sounds like a weird explanation because it happens so freaking fast. Uh, when we were watching it, I was like, <laughs> "What was that?" Like I I knew to make a mental note that I really wanted to see that moment again because similar to uh what you were saying with a kick he's fast and him doing this move was just yep. it was like too quick for my eyes but i right, kind of right. like yeah that. and that's that's fine like i, I like see uh, behind the, the camera and whatnot like i know that these performers are incredibly talented I, like i have no doubt of that it's just you know like we have to work within the limitations of what the camera can capture and what the human eye can capture you know because again this is a movie so you know, sometimes you know, because they, they are shooting some of this, or they're, they're shooting with you know a dedicated camera to capture action. So those are nice moments to actually slow down. You know, like because uh, you know maybe you have some test screenings, be like or test plays where you you realize like okay, well that was too quick. 
I couldn't register what that was. Let's slow it down so the audience can actually register it. Um, but yeah, like, but Kane is a great kicker, you know? Um, I think he even said it in his episode where, you know, he, he's talking about his uh, background as, you know, like a, a very varied background in martial arts, but he was mostly skilled in Taekwondo, like karate and Taekwondo. Uh, so he's just like, it's great with the, the kicking stuff. And, you know, he obviously had a lot, has a lot of speed and like accuracy with a lot of these movements. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He he was kind of downplaying his own like punching ability, but I don't know. I, I actually don't. I don't think he's as bad as he thinks he is. You know, I think he's he's pretty <laughs> fine with his hands. Although that sounds really weird. <laughs> I think one of the things I like too about this fight is um, he uh, King Kasugi is playing up the um, like the senpai role a lot in that. He is really showing that he is the more skilled mm. fighter. I like that after a lot of moves, he will get up very quickly, very, very fast, and he'll get in this really, really like stoic, uh, just tight pose, implying like, okay, yes, uh, we were fighting, but I'm still the better fighter. So I'm like showing more, yeah. uh, I don't know, like command right. of what I can do. Like he'll get up really quickly. Yep. He'll look really stiff, but not in like a bad way. It's more so like he's just showing how fast he is and how true to form he's mm, being with his style. That you thought of it that way because there's a moment when after Scott does a you know flying like he does a spin kick off of the the wall. Uh, so there mm-hmm. after that there's a trader sequences where Scott is basically like hitting him from all different angles and. And, you know, like, they, they look impactful, but Kane's kind of just, like, taking them. And it doesn't, you know, like, it, like yeah, he looks like it actually, like, got delivered. But, like, he just immediately retaliates as if, like, it did nothing to him. And I actually kind of, I, I think that's a little bit of a disconnect there. I'm like, oh, I kind of want him to, like, stagger a little bit, you know? You mean you want, I want, you I want, want Kane, Kane or to you stagger want Scott a little bit? Stagger. Like, oh, like I, okay, okay. I don't care how yeah, skilled okay, you I, are. I see like, what that's, you mean. like, it, that was a jumping kick to the face. Like, how, how, are, you, how are you standing there? <laughs> Right. So I, I completely get that. I'm, I'm, I'm a little okay with that because I think what they need to do is they need to sell that he is unfazed mm-hmm. by Scott's moves, right? Um, they probably should have made a choice to not throw that kind mm-hmm. of powerful kick and make it land. Uh, I think it should have been that Kane probably should have just yes. been blocking all these blows and not, blocking. not absorbing so many hits. Sorry, then go, maybe, go ahead. Then maybe that could deflate um yeah i I think what for me what sells if if a person is more skilled and as a martial artist isn't the ability to take hits but rather like avoid hits right so blocking evading parrying Mm -hmm. uh he does parry like he does all these things but like those moments where he's actually absorbing hits i i I think that's really awkward um i that doesn't sell to me from a visual standpoint that that's a skilled martial artist that sells to me as like there's a disconnect from the choreography to me as the viewer it's like why is why is he well push right. scott atkins does a front push kick towards kane's chest and he kane immediately retaliates with the jumping spinning back uh jumping back kick like how how did he not get pushed backwards or like he not suffer some sort of like i don't know something <laughs> right right i mean it's it's like someone who gets shot in a movie, but they're still able to stand up. You're like, listen, that blow is really not right. is going to take it out of you. So like maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe he should have stumbled a little more, shown yeah. more pain, but the choreography just keeps going. So there's not really any yeah, time yeah, for, for him sure, to for react sure. to. Um, yeah, I mean, I love how that stuff like doesn't phase Kane Kasugi, but what will phase him is when Scott Atkins grabs his leg. 
uh, and then he just like like slowly hurls him towards this Voss, like this this glass cabinet that just happens to be there. It looks kind of awkward. Yeah. Oh, I hate that moment. Ah, it's it's so weird. Yeah. So he he kind of throws him into this this cabinet that has like a mm. uh, a glass panel on it, and he awkwardly it looks like he intentionally smashes his head through it, as opposed to looking right. like he got thrown into it. It's, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that was right, the right. best take, but you know, I, if they only had him for a few true. days and they didn't true, get true, it, true, true. Well, I mean, it, you it. they cut for a reason. Yeah, you know? like once they do the cut. If you only watch the, that one cut, you see, you can clearly tell Kane was like deliberately trying to hit his head against the glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's the problem. It looks like he was <laughs> he was forcibly trying to break that glass. But I kind of like how this this section oh, ends. Yeah. It's with Scott Atkins doing a jumping. It, it, it is a drop res- pro kick. wrestling move. It's a drop kick. Yes, yeah. yeah. Jumping, double, dropkick, sidekick, whatever. But then he throws an additional yep. uh, sidekick in there. Thus kicking Kankasugi <laughs> through the wall. I was not expecting that when I first saw it. Yep. And into the next room and into our ne- uh, the right. final portion. Well, I mean, I, I think I pointed out before when we were watching it that it was very reminiscent of Enter the Dragon, right? And after listening to them talk about it, it was like, yes, that was totally what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. That's what they were um, doing. Yep. Uh, but, you know, like two things, two standouts before we actually go into the weapons fight, which is what happens in the next room. Uh, I like that, um, you know, obviously Kane, well, three things, I guess. Kane's Kazuki does the Giver kick. That was the other person that we're, we're mentioning that was doing the Giver kick. Um, so there are moments where Scott was like a little harsh on himself, um, you know, like in terms of like uh, how he, you know, he had to perform some of the choreography. So there's a moment where he delivers an axe kick uh, uh, towards uh, Kane Kasugi's le- uh, shoulder, but I didn't, ca- I didn't capture this, and this is what our fucking show's about. But I couldn't even see it because the, the action's so fast. Scott was complaining that like he that he had to actually use his hands to grab onto his leg. Uh, when he was delivering that axe kick because he was afraid the actual axe kick was going to hurt Kane. Oh, yeah. yeah I was I like, oh, wow. I'm saying that. I, and I, after rewatching it, you can clearly see mm-hmm. he's like holding his thighs to, you know, kind of. Yeah, like that was, that's almost. a good, like, standout moment because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. Like, and I've seen this movie like two or three times now, or this fight scene multiple times, and I still didn't notice it until he actually said it. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's very good, you know, like, you know, like I definitely didn't capture that before, but now that you said it, it's like, oh, okay, but it's fine. I understand why he did that because you know maybe it's you know he would have actually like broken his collarbone or something like that. And then there's a moment where Kane, like out before when he like lifts his leg up to deliver the kick, and Scott like punches him, and there's like a small, small, small delay where he gra- like he punches him. And nothing happens, and then he grabs a leg. You know, so it's like a slowdown, and Kane has to sell the 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 impact of the punch so that it can explain why it takes so long for Scott Atkins to grab the leg. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really good point too. Like I didn't even notice that, but because the whole fight is so fast, like even moments like that, like I wouldn't even have paid attention to because like 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 sometimes we need the the speed to go down a little bit. <laughs> But anyways, yes, so we get pushed into the next fight scene, literally by Scott Atkins. Uh, we are in the weapons room where uh, Kane busts out the katana uh, versus uh, Scott Atkins' bow staff. And they obviously switch up the weapons here. Um, and I think that Kane was actually complaining about the using this weapon because it was made out of wood and it would constantly break. <laughs> um, 
That's kind of interesting. Yeah, they uh, they it you know it looks you know it looks pretty legit uh, in the in the wide shots and the faraway shots. Uh, I'm sure they yeah. just have like a sheen tape over it. But that I wish I wish we could have seen some behind the scenes where right. they were fighting with it and this you know the thing just explodes or just breaks in half. Right. I think you know, that would have been really great. fun. Uh, maybe it's in that DVD version because it's te- because it's technically two wooded weapons. You yeah. know because mm-hmm. he's not really fighting with real metal. It's because Scott uh, Scott is using the wooden bow staff. So it would have been nice to see uh, yeah. how that really. It's only fitting that we have the final fight be with weapons because it is a ninja movie. I mean like. Yes, we have Scott Atkins, we have King Kasuki, but it is a ninja film. It makes more sense to actually have like a sword fight. So this is actually how we we end the fight, uh, end the movie. Um, it's fine. I liked it better when there were fisticuffs. It was just hand-to-hand combat. It was like the choreography is more interesting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. I like... Uh... So I've I've been looking for some good katana swordplay, and I haven't really been able to find something I liked. Uh, I did like a lot of the choreography here, but I think I just I wasn't crazy about mm-hmm. some of the logistics of this fight. So Scott has the bow staff mm-hmm. against the metal katana, and uh, King Kasugi swipes the bow staff in half, thus turning it into like you know mm-hmm. kind of like two kali sticks, and Scott then gets the upper hand, and he kind of. Def- Semi defeats Kane to Kasugi, you know, oh, yeah, triple kicking great, him over, move, yeah. you know, some, st- yeah, ki- triple kicking him over some stuff in the room. But then, as as I mentioned in prior episodes, he discards the two weapons, which he was already oh, kind yeah. of winning with to to exchange it for the katana. Like I get it, the katana's metal, but I feel that like logistically, if you're already winning with your current weapons, right, why right. change it to I mean, something that- else? Like that that's a weird nitpick, <clears throat> but. uh when when I keep on watching the scene, I was like, "Don't drop, don't drop the thing right. that you're already winning with." You know, like you don't know if well, you're gonna. I mean, okay. The counter argument to that is one. that Kane switches up his own style, right? So like he he keeps the, his katana, but he takes out Owashi, and he use, now now he has two weapons, and he combines the two into like a Darth Maul like double bladed weapon, a double sided weapon. Um, and he like he yeah. changes back and forth between the two. Uh, so like you know, like it it feels like both of these characters are in flux in terms of like how they want to actually play out this fight and I'm, I'm i'm fine with that you know like i'm completely okay with it um mm. but i don't know like i the, my only real gripe with this is that it's actually really short like this segment of it <laughs> you want uh, you wanted bit. something longer. um you know what i mean i think style scott atkins is so well known for his kicks and his acrobatics that like the sword play, uh, he's not really known for it. And he, he has said it himself, like he doesn't do so much of the weapon stuff, um, even though he says it's easier. But that's because like the well, choreography simple. Like it's way simpler. Right. Well, it, it's it, it's weird because like I like all the stuff he's doing with the sword play here. And I, I think uh, what's disappointing, uh, I'll agree with you. I think it's too short. Once uh, Kane Kasugi kind of combines the two katanas together into like the longer like bladed bow staff, it doesn't go on very long. I'm oh I'm always interested in seeing uh, dual wielding <laughs> katanas because he does kind of separate it uh, right. again uh, later in the fight. I wanted more of that, but then it just kind of turns into uh, Scott, you know, swiping at his belly. He mm-hmm. you know Kane Kasugi's injured. So he throws the katana into Scott's shoulder, and then it just, you know, that's when you know the fight's going to turn into yeah. the struggle moment. That that happens, 
it happens a lot in like last fight it's no longer about choreography it's just like right. both people are injured and they're doing whatever they can to you know, right yeah oh the there's a guy yeah it's like once it becomes like two injured people fighting like the choreography is almost out the window there's a moment where kane kane like exactly he he smacks smacks scott in the face with the hilt of the blade uh of the sword i mean not the blade uh and scott is staggering he's like falling backwards and then kane for no reason does a sidekick towards one of those standing um the panels i guess he, he just he pushes that over mm-hmm. for no reason like why did he do that <laughs> I mean, I think they were trying to imply that he was trying no, to but kick he was, Scott. No, Scott no, because Scott is like, like completely far. No, no, that doesn't make any sense because Scott is like falling backwards and then Kane completely like kicks like 90 degrees away from him. Yeah, so the I I, I can clearly see it here. Um, Scott is, it should have been Scott like fell backwards to yeah. dodge the kick. Maybe, maybe yeah. But the thing is, it, yeah, the thing is, it looks like Kane is just kicking this panel, not trying to kick Scott. So there's right, a right. huge visual disconnect there. Uh, the camera does cut and the panel, uh, you know, falls towards us to kind of alleviate um, this, this disconnect. But as we we're watching, yeah, it, it, it yeah. does look a little. Uh, I mean, I don't know, like, like not, this is not the best way to end the fight uh but you know like and that this doesn't detract from the the previous fight like the the fight all in all like the fight is pretty good uh but the way that this fight scene ends is pretty anticlimactic and i think i i mean i don't know if you share the same sentiment as me i'm pretty sure you do but i don't think we're alone in this even scott atkins has said it he's like ah, it's a little it's a little bit uh anticlimactic uh, that you know like it, it just ends the way it does i don't should we even talk about it i mean we ever come this far right yeah i mean we've already kind of yeah, said true. spoilers so um yeah so basically what happens is scott atkins uh finds the weapon barbed this kind of wire. um sur- barbed uh rot wire serrated rope that was used to kill his wife and before kane can deliver the final overhead swiping you know katana <laughs> sword hit whatever you know, he swings the rope around his neck, uh, thus choking him out with it. And they intercut it with scenes of his wife. Very inappropriate. Killed. That's not the emotion you yeah, want for this uh, fight. <laughs> this, this. Right, right. I think they were trying to go, go for something no. cathartic. You know, they were doing the parallels between how his wife was killed. So it's supposed to be alleviating for him as a protagonist to get his revenge. But... Uh, it seems kind yeah, of in bad taste. Yeah, they could have done so. it better. They didn't. <laughs> they did not do it better. I, I don't think we needed to cut to his wife getting killed. Uh, it, we, I think the audience got it. He's now using the weapon that was yeah. used to murder his wife right, to kill right, the right. murderer. Yeah, right that's uh, that's unfortunately how that fight ends. We get a little bit more uh, closure, you know, uh, like how to wrap up the movie and whatnot. Um, the, the the final shot of Scott. I mean, we're in spoiler territory. The final shot of Scott getting rid of the pendant that was belonging to his wife. Uh, it's like very bittersweet. Um, more just bitter. <laughs> it's not really like the most satisfying <laughs> ending. Um, you know, because like, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's you know, it's your epilogue. I, I'm, I was, I was okay with it. It all kind of mm-hmm. comes back around. Maybe it's just we see the reflection of the wife oh, yeah. in the water. Maybe that's what kind of makes it a little cheesy. Right, right. Yeah, I was like, what? what is happening? Is she? We were thinking that she came back alive. 
<laughs> like her dead body's like, floating in the water, but it's just like CG <laughs> of her in the water reflection. You know, it's it's fine. This is a two point six million dollar movie. I'm very yeah. very forgiving of that kind of stuff. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe he's there to maybe in the next movie he'll try to find the person who ADR'd her and <laughs> try to bring her back to life somehow. <laughs> um yeah so that's right. that's a ninja shadow of a tear i have no idea why that's called shadow of a tear even if shadow of a tear was interplayed into the story somehow somehow uh it would make any sense because that doesn't make any sense well you What's, know, his what the hell's a shadow of a tear you know ninjas hide in the shadows and they cry a lot <laughs> and they cry a lot yep <laughs> uh all right so um i don't like the movie but i like the action and that's my that's my summary for this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely a step up from the first one because the first one is so forgettable. There's, I think, there's one good fight scene from the first movie that's like still sticks with me. But then again, that that episode was like a year and a half ago, so maybe I don't remember it so much because of that reason. But I will say, like, the action in this movie is significantly better. Um, and that's like the main reason why you're actually drawn into this movie, right? Because the story in either film is not spectacular. They're not main main draws. Uh, Scott has said that this is probably the hardest film that he's ever had to do. I don't know if that's because he was injured uh, or the level of a- uh, athleticism involved in it. Personally, I don't think that this is his best movie. I definitely prefer all the Undisputed movies that he was in like way more than this. Uh, because I actually like them as movies. Uh, here, I don't actually like the movie in a weird way. Uh, I can understand if you are going into, you want to find a good ninja film, why you might be able to appreciate this, because it feels like it's a good attempt to show off um, like what ninjas are capable of uh, cinematically. I think Rossitron actually mentioned this in a great video essay talking about like how ninjas are not respected uh, in terms of uh, like how they're cinematically portrayed like all the ninja movies of the 80s and 90s like like the one that shokasugi was in uh you know like they did more harm than good for the image of ninjas even though they popularized or like you know popularized ninjas um here it's like it's a good middle ground uh you know like it's like they take ninjas seriously but the story itself, I'm not a fan of. So that's where I'm, I'm going to go against that mentality um, or that, that, that statement. Um, but it, it's a good, it has good action in it. And that, that's like the, the main takeaway I'll have for this film. Um, I don't like the story. So I don't actually recommend the, watching the whole film. I say just watch the fight scenes and you're, you're fine. And that's, uh, that's my takeaway. I, I have a feeling, Zero, that you are in complete disagreement <laughs> with me. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, man, this there is so much action in this movie that you can just watch the movie. Uh, like it, this is this is so surprising. This is one of those things where where we have like a movie with maybe 3 to 4 to 5 fights in it and you know, we kind of have to fill in the the blank with plot. Um and this film there's lots of little moments in between so that, you know, once the the plot starts to get maybe a little boring, you're like, okay, well now here's some action, <laughs> and then as, as somebody who's looking for that kind of stuff, you're satisfied for a little bit, you know. Then you get the lull of more character stuff and more plot, and then they give you action, and it's it's so easy to just sit through through this movie and just wait for all the action to happen. I was perfectly fine with it. I do agree with you in that I don't really care for the movie <laughs> as a whole, 
but i think if you're gonna watch if you're gonna watch the action you can you can sit through the plot it's perfectly mm, serviceable okay uh interesting uh it's it's weird that we ha- we both agree and yet we don't agree with our consensus yes it's we the disagree. weirdest thing <laughs> yeah 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 like like i i know as a as a as a whole this isn't you know well, this yeah. isn't shakespeare there's it's not doing anything new it's not doing anything i would personally like like the action is what saves this movie uh from being watchable like if if scott atkins was in it if tim mann didn't choreograph it if I, uh, isaac florentine wasn't directing it i think this story could have been one of those really cheesy eighties movies that, you know, people made fun of. But I think the fact that you have these three, uh, you know, these three key players that are helping to elevate it above mediocrity is what is like giving me that push to suggest yeah. to watch it. I, I guess a part of me will only suggest it because like, like number show, right? Like the numbers will, you know, will dictate whether or not uh, like a movie like this will get any further um, support in the future. Right. Because, if you think about it, this is probably the last R-rated, adult-oriented, not adult as an adult video, but, you know, like adult, uh, <laughs> again, oriented film um, about ninjas. Uh, you know, like, what do we have now? We have Ninja Turtles. We have Ninjago. We have all those fucking, like, nin- like ninjas are considered a joke, right? So, you know, like, if, if you want something of this caliber, I say watch it just to check it out. But actually, like, personally, I don't think the movie's, you know, worth sitting through. Um, you could save yourself, like, 30 minutes just by watching those fight scenes alone without all that plot and that pesky, pesky plot in the way. Because <laughs> the plot <laughs> it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like, it's a, it's a revenge story, and uh, everything in between is just a mess. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, like, I, 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 will, I will only say... And agree with you on your like on that note to watch the film just to support movies like this because we do I do want to see more ninja films of this caliber for adults. Yeah. So that's uh, Ninja Two. Uh, I can't believe I'll say this. I think the story from Ninja Assassin is better than this. <laughs> the story. The story. <laughs> oh my God. Not not the, story. the everything okay. else. Not the everything else. <laughs> do you remember the first movie at all, Ninja One? Uh, so I, I re-listened to our podcast episode, and we were all in agreement that we did not. Oh like yeah, that movie no, definitely either. not. <laughs> but but you know what though? Um, I re- I and I remember saying this in the podcast uh, that w- I was saying that uh, that movie was kind of a good time to watch because you and I watched it together mm-hmm. and we were drinking, and there were a lot of moments that were not supposed to be <laughs> funny, but we were definitely laughing mm-hmm. at it. I think I think the issue with this film, the sequel, is that it takes itself very seriously. There are no moments where it's like something so bad it's good is happening, where there's unintentional comedy. It's just played extremely straight. It's just a revenge movie. We couldn't even really poke fun of it. We were just kind of like, okay, well, when's the action going to happen? Okay, that's good action. Uh, like I can appreciate that. Like yeah. So well, I mean, the action's yeah. fine. So that's the. Uh, like the fashion is more than fine so that's enough reason uh, to like appreciate this film hey you know what this movie needed to actually like lighten up the, the tone is if we had a messed up scott atkins beating people up in the middle of the film <laughs> that would have been perfect that would have been you know would have been even better if when his wife uh namiko gets killed if they gave her a little fight scene and she had the crutch that she took from the first movie and she was trying oh. <laughs> to defend herself with it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, that's Ninja Assassin. No, no not Ninja Assassin. Ninja Two. That's Ninja the wrong two. film. Ninja Two. Ninja right. Two. Have you done any Ninja films where like? wowed by like, I'm, well i guess this is the closest we've ever been wowed by a ninja mo- movie yeah i would say this this is the closest to the probably the best ninja like, movie yeah no, i think a lot of people agree with that you know this is probably the best ninja film mm-hmm. like ever made um in in terms of not being a so that yeah. it's good like like just legitimately okay like this right, is when right. you can take seriously. so uh yeah uh so with that high marker that high bar about like ninja films now we're never gonna ever top this episode uh Here's a mini review of the Shokasugi Ninja Ninja Trilogy. Um, They're all fucking terrible, but watch them because they're fucking funny. There you go. Now we can watch a movie that is so bad it's good and get a kick out of it.